everybody. It's your host of Ish Kandish, Ishan Chatta. And um, like Ben just stated, today we're going to discuss Badger football, the winners and losers from week two of the college football season, and finish it off by dabbling in week one slash week two of the NFL season. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, this past game, we had Eastern Michigan versus the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, initial takeaways, Wisconsin obviously with a pretty easy win i'd say you know 34 to 7 over eastern michigan uh but any instant takeaways first initial thoughts from the game yeah um i think we can all agree that the badgers were going to win this game as they were basically four touchdown favorites uh the run game was obviously dominant with ches malusi leading the way with 20 carries 144 yards and a touchdown isaac gerendo added to that by having four carries but he ran one for 82 yards for six Berger got into the game, which was really, really exciting after um, Chris was kind of crickets during the press conference when asked like if he was going to play or not. So it was really good to see him get out there. He finished the game with 15 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. And we also saw the 17-year-old phenom Braden Allen, who I'm still convinced is an undercover cop. There's no way he's 17 years old, but he played an amazing game, and he actually ran one in for six with a Superman touchdown. And also... The defense was absolutely dominant. Uh, the passing game for the Eagles was non-existent. Uh, Graham Mertz was efficient, but he wasn't very impressive, finishing with zero touchdown passes. Even though the ground game has always been solid for the Badgers, the only way they're going to beat teams like Notre Dame and Michigan is if they get the passing game going. Yeah, no, but, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, sorry to cut you off there for no, a little totally bit. Good. But Graham Mertz, in the game against Penn State, at least – in my opinion, I really thought that what he lacked was kind of that that game edge. So he's you know he's got the throws in him. We've seen, especially from last year, that he can put up you know four or five touchdown games and he can put up yards. But he, how do I describe this? He he just broadcasts essentially what he's about to do. In the game versus Penn State two weeks ago, when uh, Wisconsin fell sixteen to ten to the Nittany Lions, I really noticed that. Mertz would look at his first receiver, and he would just kind of lock on that. So let's say he's throwing it to Ferg, he's throwing it to DK. He doesn't look anywhere else. You know, if that's not open, he kind of scrambles and doesn't know what to do, is is what I took away from that game. And so going into this past weekend against uh, Eastern Michigan, like you said, he was efficient. He got, you know, he was, I believe, 14 of 17. uh, But like you said, no touchdowns. Not a lot of deep shots down the field. And if any, they weren't really efficient. They weren't really accurate. And if you think about it, those three uh, running backs that you just mentioned, Garendo, Berger, and Malusi, between them, that's a, about 40, 45 carries. Uh, Mertz only threw the ball 17 times. That rush yard, yes, of course, people will call Wisconsin running back you. have got amazing talents in the past of you know Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon in recent years. But in order for Mertz to gain that confidence and gain that game, that game sense, that edge, I really think that he needed a lot more pass attempts in this game. Um, I really thought Chris, Coach Chris would have realized maybe he needs more confidence or more experience in like those big game, big crowd settings, and I just don't think that's what he gave him. And I, I was looking for some, some more, I guess, experimentation out of the Wisconsin offense. Yes, they scored 34 points, but it took him a little while to get going. It really, they were kind of relying on the run game, which in this instance worked but like you said earlier if you want to beat Notre Dame 
if you want to beat Michigan, who aren't even that good yet, but Iowa coming down the pipe. Iowa had a really good couple of first weeks. If you want to beat those teams, you have to do more than just run the ball. Because eventually, teams will you know learn your system and say, hey, you're going to run the ball. We know how to stop that now. And then you can't do anything. So that was my biggest thing. I think he needed more reps, needed more you know to go through his motions more often, be able to see if that first receiver was open. If not look at the second option, third option, and kind of play the defense better, um, which he kind of failed to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think experimentation, the word you used, Ben, was a perfect way to describe Wisconsin's offense because there was a lack of that. Um, and ad- adding on to what you said, their offense will become totally predictable if Malusi's running the ball 30 times a game and defense will easily be able to game plan against them and subsequently shut them down. Also, I mean, they have that three-headed monster in Malusi, Berger, and Gerendo. But those guys, week in and week out, can't have 30 carries a game because their bodies are obviously going to be run down by that point, and injuries uh, inevitable. So, like I said, if we're going to beat teams like Notre Dame, Michigan, and Iowa coming down the pipe, who's a really, really strong team, they've they've really caught fire. Uh, we got to... We got to have a passing game. We got to have a really solid passing game, and we got to see more post routes. There was no post routes in the Eastern Michigan game. We got to see some 50-yard bombs down the field, and that's what's going to keep the defense um, on their toes. Yeah, I think obviously with Wisconsin, you almost assume you're going to have you know at least one, maybe two, really elite rushers. Um, you're going to have a really good defense, and in my mind, the in the recent recent history. It's really been that passing game, you know, that that kind of X factor is the quarterback of how they do uh, in tight situations against good teams throwing the ball. Uh, and that's always kind of been the thorn in the side of Wisconsin football. Um, like you mentioned with Malusi and Berger and the health, I think that's a really important thing because if Malusi, Ches Malusi gets hurt, he had 20 carries this week, this past week, excuse me, against Eastern Michigan. He had 31 against Penn State. It's already 51 attempts in just two games. That's a lot. Now, obviously, Berger's coming back in. He's 15 carries, not really eased into it, but now back in the game, maybe Garendo can kind of pick up some slack and get big 82-yard touchdowns like he did last week. Uh, But I think the health of the running game is probably the most important thing because in order for Graham Mertz to gain that confidence, they need to be able to kind of fall back on their run game. If they're starting to throw the ball and it's not really working, they need to know that they have, you know, two, maybe three top-tier running backs that can run the ball uh, between the great Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, Just real quick, to go back to that Penn State game, um, did you have any takeaways from that? Because I know for me, my main thing was uh, Graham Mertz. I thought the whole team, the team as a whole, the defense played well. It played well enough. The secondary, which I'll get to, you know, maybe a little bit later, let up some big plays. But I thought the defense played pretty solid. The offense honestly didn't play poorly. They played solid, but there was no one, no individual on the team that really stood out to me, other than Malusi, just through sheer number of carries. Um, no one really stood out to me as kind of that X factor, that person who would get them over the hump. That was that in the end they couldn't. That was Penn State. Yeah, I mean, going on, going back to what you said, the offense struggled mightily against the Lions as Grammars threw two INTs and one crucial one at the end of the fourth quarter that uh, truly put the nail in the coffin. Like you said, one of the only bright spots of last week's game 
was the play of transfer running back Ches Malusi, who ran for 121 yards and a score. And honestly, I think the defense played really well against the Lions. Like outside of a few big plays allowed by the secondary, Jim Lyons' defense was nearly perfect in week one. Jack Sanborn looked like one of the best linebackers in the country. The defensive line controlled the trenches despite new faces. And the Badgers were able to stall most of what Penn State wanted to do in the run game. I think the reason we lost that game was because of Mertz. We couldn't get anything going in the passing game. And obviously, Mertz isn't an X-factor because we expect greatness from him. But that was the main reason why I feel like we lost that game. Because, I, I mean, your defense can't carry you all the way till the end. They're going to get tired. No, I agree point, with you. you got to capitalize. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The defense... Obviously, they say defense wins championships, but only if you know they're able to make it onto the field. You know, if you're on, if you're on the field the entire game, and you're getting tired and tired, it's not gonna, it's not gonna end up going well for you. Um, the Badgers, actually, interestingly enough, in that game, had an insanely high amount of possession. So in a 60-minute game, usually it's about 50-50, let's say. Uh, the Badgers had 42 minutes and 51 seconds of possession. I mean, the Nittany Lions only had 17 minutes with the ball. Yet, Wisconsin only put up 10 points to the Nittany Lions, 16. So, obviously, defense wasn't on super long, um, which is great. Didn't, that means they kept them off the field. A lot of three and outs, a lot of quick defensive plays. Uh, defensive series, excuse me. But the offense was on for so long, and they still only managed to get 365 total yards, which isn't terrible, but... In 42 minutes and 51 seconds, I expect this this year's Wisconsin Batters offense with the likes of Malusi uh, and the likes of Graham Mertz and receivers like um, Jake Ferguson, DK, various talents, really established talents within the Wisconsin program and within the Big Ten to get more yards, more points. Um, and like you said, I do agree this is a game that's on Graham Mertz. Had 37 pass attempts, which is a lot more than last week. Had 17. Maybe you could say first week, got to get him used to it, get him into the the swing of things. But only 185 yards. Not a super high, um, excuse me, completion percentage, but a lot of attempts. My biggest thing with Graham Mertz is that decision-making. That, Like I mentioned earlier, that initial, you look at that first receiver, you throw it to him if they're not open, you still probably throw it to him kind of thing. And there was one, that that key interception you mentioned at the end, to this point of Graham Mertz kind of telegraphing his moves, uh, that interception was made by Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, who in an interview after the game actually called, like likened the Badger offense to playing Madden, which at first I was like, what? I mean, I don't really play Madden that much, but that that I was so confused. Like, what, do, what does that mean? And then he said, once they like one thing, they're going to keep doing it. And if they like one play, one, two kinds of plays, one kind of offensive setups, they're just going to keep doing that all Absolutely. game. And so that's what he attributes to him saying, yo, I saw how they lined up. I saw what Merce did. He stepped back. He loves throwing to Ferguson. I just stepped in front. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things is that kind of predictability of the Wisconsin offense that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And um, in a way, our offense was similar to Madden. I am a Madden guy. I'm not really good at Madden. 2K is my main game. I know no one wants to smoke with me in that. So, because I, I take pride in that game. Like, if I lose, I'm really upset. But yeah, I know what he's talking about in Madden. Because personally, for me, if I get one play working, I keep on doing that for the rest of the game. I'm definitely a quick slant guy, slash stick. Uh, I, I really don't like throwing the ball down the field. But I see what he's saying that. 
I feel like the key, like I feel like the kryptonite of Wisconsin's offense is their predictability. Because every team in the country knows that we're going to run on most plays because they're watching film on us. And I feel like if you want to get to that next level, we got to switch things up a little bit to keep defenses on their toes and um, hopefully put some points on the board and take pressure off of our defense. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I agree. I think this coming week is going to be a great test um, to see if Graham Mertz has learned from that week one experience. And obviously we can sit here all day and, you know, kind of dump on Graham Mertz and say it's all your fault, all your fault kind of thing. Um which, you know, has some truth, some some not truth in it. But in the end, Graham Mertz is only one person. And on top of that, this is his first game, this as in the Penn State game, was his first game in front of a crowd in Wisconsin. And the difference between playing in Camp Randall with no fans and playing in Camp Randall with a completely sold out and packed 80 plus thousand screaming people is it got to be a huge difference though yeah. no no amount of practice no amount of reps on the field practice field, whatever yourself for that exactly you can't you can't get ready for that in your head so i think an, another side of that kind of predictability was kind of enabling mertz to feel comfortable or as comfortable as he could in this new crazy environment yeah absolutely and then going on Focusing on next week's game against Notre Dame, like I just think the storyline of this game is what makes it truly special. Jack Cohen playing, being the starting quarterback for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and going against his old team. I feel like he's just got this fire burning in his stomach and he just can't wait to show the Badgers like that they made a mistake. Yeah. I love the storyline behind this game and that's what's going to make it really truly exciting and primetime yeah. college football. No, I agree. So let's let's, you know, take a step back or step forward and think uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central, the Wisconsin Badgers will take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Not tomorrow, next week. Next week. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, next week. week. Yeah. This is our bye week, you're right. I I got my numbers mixed up. Back at school, man. It's really throws yeah, you for a loop. Numbers, all that stuff. Yeah, my my <laughs> brain, my brain's a little fried. I like kind of forgot how to do school, but it's good to be back though. It is good sure. to be back. So next week, pardon my um my my mistake there. Uh, the Badgers are going to take on the Fighting Irish. Uh, Jack Cohn hasn't had a insane start to his season. Uh, he's played well. Uh, no- Notre Dame is two and zero. They won both their games, neither of which were against necessarily difficult opponents florida state historically has had a relatively good um program however since the exit of jimbo fisher they've kind of been on the downslope and so they need to go to overtime i believe to win that one uh after having a pretty commanding lead uh but jack Cohn played wisconsin for those who aren't aware of the the drama and why this is such a big game jack Cohn did play at the university of wisconsin for i believe three years um injured last season Injured his foot uh, before the beginning of last season, kind of forcing Graham Mertz to, or promoting Graham Mertz to be the starter. Uh, Mertz had a pretty great, I would say, beginning of the season and kind of cooled down by the end. And the Wisconsin team and Coach Paul Chris kind of decided to just keep Mertz as the starter. Cone enters the transfer pool, ends up at Notre Dame. Uh, these two guys matching up, I'm sure they know each other um, from reps and practice and kind of being the guy, practicing together essentially and learning the system together. So they have some familiarity. Cone obviously is going to have a ton of familiarity with Coach Paul Chris, the Wisconsin offense. Um, What are you looking for 
in this game to kind of be the the more important side of the ball? Offense I, or defense? Personally, for me, I feel like the Wisconsin's defense obviously is going to have to step on this game because they, they know Jack Cohen's tendencies. Like, they know what he likes to do. So I expect the defense to be dominant. But at the same time, I expect Mertz to come out hot and firing. Like, I want to see him throw at least – I want to see him attempt at least 35, 40 passes next Saturday because that's the only way we're going to get points on the board because Notre Dame knows we're going to run the ball almost every play. So obviously we got to switch it up, keep them on their toes, and um, kind of go off from the scouting report. You yeah. know? Yeah, and looking at some of the numbers here, um, offensively, both teams have almost the exact same total yards this year. However, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have many more points. They have they scored, I believe, 41 in their victory versus Florida State, and they put up 32 on Toledo. So they've got, that's what, 73 points already, and Wisconsin has, yes, they had a big game against um, Eastern Michigan, but they only put up 10 on Penn State, which is a, a decent team. So... Offenses seem to be relatively similar. One is kind of hardcore leaning on the passing game with uh, Jack Cohn having almost um, around 600 yards, I believe, in the air versus Mertz with only around 325. And so obviously the run game is kind of the focus for Wisconsin and the passing game is the focus for Notre Dame. And that kind of, to your point of the defense being the key, makes me... A little bit nervous because in that Penn State game, like I mentioned earlier, some of the biggest plays Penn State has had, including a touchdown, was on deep pass plays. Uh, the Wisconsin secondary, there must have been some sort of miscommunication at points, but they let up two, three, maybe even four, I don't quite remember exactly, big pass plays that really kind of took the momentum either away from Wisconsin or gave it to Penn State in that game. So I'm hoping and kind of looking for that Wisconsin secondary to really step it up in this coming ga- this coming game against the Notre Dame. Absolutely. I think next Saturday's game is going to be so awesome in Soldier Field. There haven't been a lot of Ws in Soldier Field recently, knowing, I mean, me being a Bears fan, um, I still have PTSD Tragic. from the double doink. It's a total travesty, but hopefully Tragic. the Badgers can uh, go into Soldier and uh, come out with a W. And... Um, as of right now, I'd like to switch gears and talk about the winners and losers of college football week two. Um, who is one of your winners of the week, Ben? Yeah, so looking in the broad kind of world of college football right now, one of my winners was the um, Iowa Hawkeyes. So Iowa, another Big Ten team that Wisconsin honestly always plays really tough, but and is always, I feel, ranked relatively decently, never kind of the team to beat, but always, you know, upsets maybe a, a Michigan when they're really doing really well or Penn State to kind of end their hopes of um, maybe, what's, what's the word, kind of making the playoff. Uh, but Iowa came in to this season, I don't know what their exact ranking was, but they're now ranked, though they, they played Ohio, Iowa, Iowa State? Yes, Iowa State yeah. is the team. Um, they're kind of in-state rivals. And really kind of dominated that game they won 27 to 17 so the scoreline doesn't really reflect it but i personally from what i saw i really thought that iowa kind of stepped up they were playing there at the time were the 10th ranked team in the country iowa state was the ninth ranked team so it's this big kind of 
usually it's a coin toss kind of game. Um, but I thought while Iowa didn't really have a huge offensive kind of in your face, we're going to like run the ball down your throat or huge pass plays. Um, they had enough kind of, what's the word for it? They had enough little plays, enough little moments where they converted a third down or they got a, a decently, you know, one of their, their second touchdown of the game, for example, is a 26-yard pass. Um, little plays like that that kind of got them over the initial hump and then, of course, a um, scoop and score uh, from the defense. So any de- time your defense scores points, you're going to be happy. Iowa going into next week, now ranked number five in the country. Um, going to look to continue that success and really play well. Uh, I believe they play Kent State coming up. So they don't have a super hard schedule. They've got Penn State coming down down the line. Obviously, they're playing um, at Wisconsin. And then a couple teams that historically can be, you know, hot or cold, a little Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska sometimes, you know, have, have good years. Um, but I'm really looking at Iowa to kind of gain confidence from this win and really be bolstered and going forward into uh, next week. Absolutely. That was a statement win for the Hawkeyes uh, last Saturday, and that's a great pick. For me, my winner of the week was Arkansas in blowout fashion against number 15 Texas. The Razorbacks put on an absolute clinic against the Longhorns, beating them 40-21. to Hudson Card looked rock solid in last week's win over then-ranked Louisiana, but he looked very much like a redshirt freshman in this one. Even when he had time in the pocket to make some reads, he had some ugly misses. The guy was honestly seeing Casper the Ghost out there. Eventually, he was replaced by Casey Thompson after a strip sack late in the third quarter. And to his credit, Thompson immediately led a pair of long-scoring drives in which he sealed the deal with rushing touchdowns but it was far too little too late because a texas run defense that did a fantastic job against the raging cajuns sprung all sorts of leaks against the hogs arkansas rushed for 333 yards and four touchdowns and had six different guys average at least six yards per carry it was the razorbacks first 300 yard rushing performance since november 2016 maybe this is the start of something special for arkansas and this game also confirmed for the thousandth time that uh, Texas is indeed not back. So. No, yeah. Sorry, That's, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, uh, no. Horns down. Horns down yeah. for the foreseeable future. Um, and I want to add another winner. Um, I'm going to do a second winner real quick. Okay, great. I'm going to do the Cincinnati Bearcats. Cincinnati, I always looked at as a basketball school. I never thought of them as a football school. They have some talent this year, obviously, playing the American Athletic Conference. But on that note of their conference... The reason I have them as my winner, not because, um, you know, they're playing super, in, like, uh, well, I mean, they did win both of their games quite easily, uh, playing against uh, teams that aren't necessarily football powerhouses, such as the University of Miami, Ohio. But they just recently, I believe it was over this past week or weekend, them, aka Cincinnati, Houston, uh, BYU, and I believe it's UCF, Central Florida, all it got a bit accepted to join the Big 12 as of 2025. So a team like Cincinnati, a team like BYU even, or Central Florida, teams like Cincinnati really need those opponents to kind of get their, they're always, you know, maybe a top 15 team, a top 20 team, and everyone's like, oh, UCF went undefeated, or Cincinnati lost one game all year, why aren't they in contention for the playoff? 
it's because they never have that strength of schedule. And so I think them joining the Big 12 is really going to boost it. Even though, like you said, horns down, Texas isn't looking so good. One of those historical, really good opponents. Um, I do think that Cincinnati is a big winner this week because they do have a couple um, tough games, let's call them. The one against Notre Dame, one against um, Central Florida coming down later this season. But I think in the future, it's more so that they won for the future, which I think is really important for a football team in today's day and age. Absolutely. That's um, that's another great uh, winner pick. Uh, I'm going to kind of switch gears and talk about the loser of the week. And my loser of the week was ranked Pac-12 teams. Obviously, after Oregon set up a fantastic early tone for the Pac-12 on Saturday afternoon, um, that, that win brought a smile to my face. Oh, it's always nice seeing the Buckeyes go down. Uh, Things got pretty ugly uh, for the league's other ranked teams in the late games. The most alarming loss was a little Pac-12 on Pac-12 crime with Stanford bouncing back from a 24-7 loss to Kansas State to clip number 14 USC in a 42-28 game that wasn't even that close. The Cardinals' Nathaniel Peake got the party started early with an 87-yard touchdown run in the first quarter, but it was mostly Tanner McKee doing the damage after that. The second-year quarterback won the job during that loss to Kansas State and accounted for three touchdowns with no turnovers in this one. Honestly, Mertz can learn a thing or two from this guy. Uh, I agree. Meanwhile, Kadon Slovis' turnover turned out to be a lethal one with Kai Blue Kelly returning that third-quarter interception for a touchdown and pretty much breaking USC's will to play. Number 21, Utah had won nine consecutive games in its in-state rivalry with BYU, but the Utes struggled to get anything going in a 26-17 loss to the Cougars. Utah turned the ball over on each of its first two possessions and got burned later in the first half when a failed fourth down attempt was followed by a 93-yard touchdown drive by BYU. Cougars quarterback Jaron Hall didn't, didn't have a monster stat line with only 149 passing yards, 92, or he did have a monster stat line, I'm sorry with 149 passing yards, 92 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. But he was just hitting Utah with haymakers all night long. And though number 23, Arizona State, eventually pulled away from UNLV for a 37-10 victory, the game was uncomfortably close until deep in the third quarter. The Sun Devils were a huge favorite against the Rebels team that went 0-6 last year and opened the year this year with a loss to Eastern Washington, but it was a 14-10 ball game until the final minute of the third at least Arizona State's defense came to play. UNLV scored on each of its first two possessions, but had just 26 yards of total offense after that. So they really uh, turned up the gas late in the game. Yeah, no, I I like that you didn't just choose one loser. You chose an entire conference. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, I thought that's really great because, honestly, my loser is also in the Pac-12. So it does. it's not... I don't want to. I don't want any listeners to think that I'm you know stealing issues no, thoughts, no, you're but just adding on to it, I'm adding on exactly. Adding on so obviously this week I or this past week I felt had a lot more winners than losers. The likes of Oregon, you said. Yeah. I thought um, Georgia had an impressive win, but my loser of the week is the Washington Huskies. Uh, Washington, agree. not known, not a huge, huge amount of success in recent weeks or recent years. Excuse me. However, they've always been a relatively decent kind of middle of the pack within the Pac-12 team. And so I anticipated, I expected kind of the same. They're 0-2 now. Their first game was against the Montana Grizzlies, who are an infamous opponent of theirs. Washington and Montana play every year, uh, and I believe Washington, up until this year, when they lost 13-7, to had only lost, um, 
I think it was four times total in their entire history, and they played a good number of times. So this is a very dominant relationship. Think as a Bears fan yourself. Think you know, like Packers Bears. Oh, you know, yeah, Packers always beating the Bears, I hate or those, you know, I hate those guys in green. Anything right? like that. Um, or you know, the Patriots and the entirety of their division. Or just the NFL, honestly. Yeah, the NFL. No to the be Patriots. honest, yeah. Uh, so it's one of those kind of like the big schoolyard bully coming in and just demolishing the the little team however they lost that game they lost their first game of the year and i know we're talking about last week but this kind of carried over because in their second week they played michigan a very struggling michigan team i would argue michigan again has produced amazing players they the school of tom brady the school of charles woodman but in recent years no one with at least any sense of football knowledge is going to argue that the Michigan Wolverines are a good football team. They've never had, they haven't really had success in the last two, three, even four years. Yeah. Um, really in the last decade. they Yeah. Really in the last decade. Good point. Really haven't had success. And so going to Michigan, you expect a team like Washington to kind of bounce back from that disappointing loss, put up some numbers, you know, really kind of take it to take their anger out on a struggling Michigan team who did win their first week, um, but not against, again, not against a elite team. Yeah. They go into Michigan and they lose by not just one touchdown, but three. Michigan blows them out 31 to 10, um, scoring a touchdown in every quarter but the first. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's one of those, The for me, the reason that Washington is the loser is, yes, A, they lost their second game, they're 0-2, they lost to two not so good teams, but it's more like a personal vendetta against Michigan. As a Wisconsin Absolutely. student, you don't yeah. want to see Michigan. Michigan, Ohio State. You want the Big yeah. Ten to do well, but you don't want Ohio State to do well. You oh, don't yeah. want Michigan to do well, right? We can. These are things that all uh, Wisconsin students, Wisconsin residents, can agree in. Absolutely. So, uh, giving Michigan a win like this is what earns them my loser of the week for this week. Yeah, definitely, and also like that's. Um a huge confidence booster for a Wolverines team that struggled over the last um, decade. But in in defense for the Huskies, going into the big house is a very hostile environment. But at the same time, with a good team like that, you're supposed to be able to control that energy and um, hopefully produce in the football field. And clearly they did not do that. Yeah, well, I think those are great points. You know, a couple of big winners. Some of the winners to recap, we've got Arkansas and we have the a little sneak in the end there, the Cincinnati Wildcats, as well as the Iowa Hawkeyes are our winners of college football week two. The losers of the week, the ranked Pac-12 teams as a whole, except maybe our good friend Oregon, who really oh, yeah, had a yeah, good, they, 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 they had, had an impressive game. Week. They had a great week. And then um, yeah. on top of that, the unranked Pac-12 team of the Washington Huskies. Uh, but on the other side of the break, we'll come right back to it. We're talk a little bit about the NFL. So we're going to switch from that college level to the professional level. We're going to talk about some takeaways from week one. Should you worry about the Packers yet? Are the Saints all of a sudden Super Bowl favorites? What's the deal with that? Um, so we'll catch you on the other side of the break and uh, talking some more football. On Tuesday, September 14th and Thursday, September 23rd, the Fall Student Organization Fair is back. From 4 to 9 p.m. Central on the 14th, visit the Kohl Center to connect with hundreds of student organizations and their representatives. On the 23rd, you will have the same opportunity virtually through the Wisconsin Involvement Network at win.wisc.edu, where you will be able to browse more student organizations and join video chats. 
This message is sponsored by the Center for Leadership and Involvement, the Center for First Year Experience, Student Print, the Daily Cardinal, the James, Grand Central, Fresh Market, Associated Students of Madison, UW Credit Union, Wisconsin and Washington, and WSUM. I'm a champion, real life checks mechanism. Shaquille O'Neal for rap. He's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Paul McCartney on behalf of RAD. If you're drinking, you can't drive my car or any car. And remember, don't drink and drive. It's just not worth it. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mark Anthony for RAD, recording artist, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Music is one of the most important things in my life, but nothing is more important than life itself. So choose a designated driver. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our hour of football talk. On the other, the first side of the break, we talked about some college football, just looking at Wisconsin's past couple weeks and looking forward to their match versus Notre Dame. However, we're going to, sh- again, like I mentioned, shift gears towards the professional teams. Um, the NFL. Week one began last week with a couple surprise upsets, a couple expected blowouts, and some a lot of rookie quarterbacks uh, taking the stage. Um, any initial takes, any teams maybe to go off of the last idea of winners and losers? Any winners or, or losers uh, from week one-ish from yeah, the NFL? Um, I feel like the winner of week one was uh, definitely the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it wasn't surprising that the Cardinals won on Sunday, but the way they did it was surprising. They absolutely steamrolled the Titans, and Chandler Jones did most of the steamrolling with five sacks on Ryan Tannehill. And the only m- player that was more impressive than Jones was Kyler Murray. Murray, who totaled five touchdowns. And they had Julio Jones in jail as he only had uh, three receptions for 29 yards. The Cardinals looked really strong, and uh, I think they're going to really have a successful season this year. No, yeah, I agree. I think, as well, for those of you who do fantasy football, having an Arizona Cardinal on your team, including the defense, was a very good choice for this week. Yeah, I agree. I think the offense really looked good. Uh, for Arizona, which you kind of expect with the names that they have on that roster. Oh, yeah, with D-Hop you know, and Chase Edmonds I yeah, mean, and they've got, Murray. Yeah, even you know the aging now, um, A.J. Green was a standout star in Cincinnati uh, in his career. So I agree. I think Arizona looked great, and that one upside, like you mentioned, was that defense. I think they, like you said, shut down Julio Jones. Derrick Henry, one of the greatest rushers in the league, um, Really shut him down too. Really negligible impact yeah, on the game from both yards of them. For 50, Seventeen carries for uh, 15, 58 yards. Yeah, so um, that's not you know a terrible game, but for Derrick Henry, that honestly is a terrible game. So you expect more from them, 
and it's really impressive again Chandler Jones with the sacks huge huge game for them uh my winners from last week or one of my winners from last week was the New Orleans Saints um I personally was raised a Packer fan even though I'm from uh, New York but as a Packer fan it was a hard one to watch um Aaron Rodgers all the drama with that um obviously not not the not one of my favorite topics of the summer kind of disappointing to see how that's played out but enough of the Packers the Saints really kind of dominated this game you talk about um an offense that having to replace Drew Brees what are they going to look like what are they going to start Taysom Hill at quarterback they're going to start Jameis Winston they went with Winston and it was the completely correct choice um, it threw for five touchdowns, I believe it was. Yes. Um, in the blowout win of the versus the Packers, and the Packers only scored three points. The, the Saints winning thirty-eight to three. New Orleans, looking like, in my opinion, definitely a playoff team based off of Week One. Um, potentially could be a dark horse going forward if Winston keeps up this game. Obviously, Jameis Winston, infamously known for the thirty for thirty season, yes. as I like to call it, uh, thirty touchdowns but thirty interceptions. Yeah. So. At least he had a one-to-one ratio. Exactly. So So I don't know. Again, they're my winners for this week. In no way, shape, or form means that they're going to be winners for future weeks. Uh, The Saints, as well as Jameis Winston at the the helm, is probably one of the most volatile uh, teams in the league right now. Absolutely. uh, Some other, just real quick, key results of the week. You saw the Steelers actually outlast the Bills, which is a really big surprise uh, for many. Winning twenty-three to sixteen, as well as the um, Panthers be- getting it, the win over the Jets. That Sam num- Darnold with the revenge game. Sam Darnold with the revenge he, game. That- he ran one in too. I believe he did. Yeah, yeah he put. Yeah. I mean, I guess he uh, put on his uh, best Cam Newton impression. He one. did. He was. He was thinking. You know, they got rid of me. They brought in this new young guy. Um, that's not cool with me. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Show everyone why they made a mistake, uh, which was really impressive to me. Uh, the one of my favorite games of the week, though, the Chiefs versus Browns. Um, really great end to end action. Really a lot of lead changes. The Browns kind of jumping out to a relatively decent halftime lead uh, before Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things and yes. kind of willed the Chiefs with the help of Travis Kelsey and Tyree yeah. Kill to that victory. Um, do you have a loser of the week? Do you yeah, have a team, an individual that really kind of disappointed? I do. Uh, my loser of the week is the Green Bay Packers. And I think they won the award for most embarrassing loss of week one. Um, honestly, they looked like they forgot how to play football. Aaron Rodgers I looked agree. like a Jeopardy host out there. Yeah. Um, with only 133 yards and two INTs. Devontae Adams had five catches for 56 yards. And the run game was non-existent. Aaron Jones... Five carries, nine yards. Are you kidding me? Yeah, um, no, that's not what you expect from someone. Yeah, it was truly an embarrassing loss. Obviously, there was the offseason drama with um, Aaron Rodgers kind of being distant from the Packers uh, throughout the offseason. Um, hopefully, they can bounce back. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And uh, as a Bears fan, it did make me smile to see them go down. Obviously, the Bears didn't look so hot either with uh, their good friend Matthew Stafford lighting up the defense like it was the 4th of July. Uh, I think the Packers are going to have a fine season, though. They'll, they'll figure it out. When you got Aaron Rodgers on your team, you'll be okay. Yeah, that, you always, That's the mindset. Always brings you back to the one of his favorite catchphrases, that relax. Yeah, like, relax. Relax, guys. Relax. Uh, yeah. Which, as 
many Packers fans might be struggling to do right now. Um, because that is, like you said, one of the most embarrassing losses I've seen in a while. It looks like everyone always makes those jokes of, you know, like, if Al- it's like if Alabama played a professional team or right. if a professional team played, like, D3. That's honestly what it looked like. It looked like they didn't know what they were doing. They had no passion, no energy. I agree with you. They were one of my losers for week one as well. However, my biggest loser was actually the Buffalo Bills. Um, that surprise loss to the Steelers, 23-16, to like I mentioned earlier. Um, Josh Allen coming off of a, in my opinion, nearly probably top two, if not, I would have given it to him, MVP year last season. The Carrying the Bills uh, to the playoffs all the way to the championship game, falling short of the the, um, the Super Bowl. But Josh Allen, I expected a lot of big things from him. I expected a lot of big things from this Bills team, especially in week one against the Steelers who have a banged up and aging team. Ben Roethlisberger, clearly, in my opinion, on the downslope. He is, his career has peaked and honestly should retire yeah, as soon oh, as possible. He's got arthritis in his near future. Oh, yeah. Sure. His knees are say so the least. banged up. But with a team like uh, the Bills and a mobile kind of quarterback, all like do-it-all kind of quarterback like Josh Allen, and a always kind of solid defense that the Bills have always had, combining that with Stephon Diggs, various other um, weapons, like the one of the best slot, one of the best slot receivers in their division at least Cole Beasley um you expect the Bills to really kind of almost run up the score I feel I if anything I would expect the 38 to 3 of that Saints Packers game in this Bill Steelers game I expected the Bills to really come through and carry just blow out the Steelers and that wasn't the case the Steelers to their credit played really hard played really well but I think the biggest thing it's not that the Steelers beat the Bills it's that the Bills lost to the Steelers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it wasn't so they, much... Oh, they were in total control of that game. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, so yeah, so a couple other NFL scores. Uh, you heard us mention some of the other surprising ones, some not-so-surprising ones. We've got the Broncos beating the Giants. The Giants, the New York football Giants, struggling mightily to find a good game this year. They just played yesterday as well in... Thursday night football, losing yeah. to the Washington football team by one point, which a very entertaining game, but also pretty sloppy. Yeah. So the Giants... The ending was also brutal, though. It's just classic New York fashion, exactly. shooting themselves in the foot. You know? Shooting themselves in the foot. So yeah. Giants fans out there, deepest condolences. Um, maybe the next... Uh, maybe in the next 10 years, you might make the playoffs. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Um, like you mentioned again, the Bears um, getting blown out by the Rams. Yeah, that was Matthew awful. Stafford looking like an early MVP candidate. I've always thought he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league, um, able to consistently put up really good numbers and have really good seasons in Detroit, which, in my opinion, are historically and in recent years even worse than the oh, Bears. Detroit, Detroit ruins careers. I mean, look at Calvin Johnson. Why do you think he retired? Early? Exactly. I mean, that so. guy was just running into a brick wall and going <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Matthew Stafford gets out of Detroit, all of a sudden uh, looks like the next Aaron Rodgers. Um, the 49ers versus the Lions, speaking of the Lions, was another relatively interesting game. Again, a, looked like a blowout at halftime uh, with the 49ers taking a commanding um, lead over the Lions at 31-10 to 10 at the half. And the, But the Lions came within... Slowly crawled their yeah, way slowly back. Yeah, slowly crawled their way back in the third and fourth quarter going coming to within a touchdown. Um, Jared Goff... Obviously, the Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford switch with the Rams and Lions. Jared Goff didn't play poorly, didn't play well. Kind of his whole shtick is that yeah. he never plays enough. He doesn't play well enough to win you a game, but he doesn't play poorly enough to lose he's you a, a he's game. He's a system quarterback. He's very much sure. a system quarterback. So 
not a ton of crazy things from that game. Um, he did throw 57 times, though, which he did is throw absolutely insane. Which is Garoppolo threw 25 times. Exactly. So. so I believe also now when Trey Lance got a couple snaps, one of the he did. rookies he, that uh, we talked he, about. He threw the one uh, five-yard pass for a touchdown. One so five-yard pass exciting. for a touchdown. So welcome to the NFL, Trey Lance. Yeah. That is your, your touchdown. That's an amazing welcome to the NFL. Yeah, that's moment. a good way to start it, honestly. Yeah. Another rookie quarterback with quite a few pass attempts, similar to Jared Goff, was Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the first overall pick in the draft this past year. Lots of expectations for him. Uh, new coach in Urban Meyer uh, in, at the ja- in the Jaguars organization. Kind of a two people, both Lawrence and uh, Urban Meyer, who had unbelievable, almost unrivaled success in college. A very interesting stat from this game. This was the first time in the entirety of Trevor Lawrence's career that he lost a football game. Yeah. Now, ever he, since Pop Warner, right? I don't think I, he even lost in high school. He never lost in high school. He never lost in college. And up until now, obviously, this was his first game. He hadn't lost the NFL. Yeah. So this was... That's that like the story of every number one pick, though. You which know is what crazy I mean? to me. Yeah. Never losing a game in college. Yeah. Just, just unbelievable stuff. Um, so obviously, welcome to the NFL. It's not college. Oh, and this You'll is learn just that this is quick. just like the tip of the iceberg, um, my friend. Like yes. T Law is going to experience a lot of L's this season. Yes, with the especially if this game was anything to indicate the defense is struggling. The Houston Texans not uh, without Deshaun Watson this year. Um, with Tyrod Taylor coming in at quarterback, making he played Tyrod, well. He, he actually played, played pretty well. Two hundred ninety-one well. yards, two touchdowns. Pretty yeah. efficient game to me. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor with a really impressive game. Uh, in my opinion, granted, it is the Jaguars could be a bit of a buffing up your stats. However, a win is a win. We'll take it. Thirty-seven points is thirty-seven points. That's not yeah. too shabby for for a Texans offense that many people thought uh, wouldn't be able to put up seven, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's a big win for them. Uh, other notable Week One results: uh, nothing too crazy, nothing too unexpected. The Eagles topping the Falcons, thirty-two to six. Jalen Hurts is going to be special. Jalen, I agree. That's yes, I agree. Jalen Hurts really in the era of mobile quarterbacks when you've got the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, you've got Kyler Murray, young, athletic, able to extend plays and make difficult throws on the run. Jalen Hurts, I think I agree, is going to have a really good season. Anything, if anything else that I take from that game, it's that the Falcons. I, I, we're in a hard rebuild, I think, if you're yeah. a Falcons fan. Oh, they haven't mentally recovered since 28-3. to Even with Dan Quinn Con, they're still cursed. It's, yep. it's tough yep. to be a Falcons Ever fan. Ever since blowing that lead in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady, you can't. They just haven't come back. I mean, Julio yeah. abandoned ship. I mean, Julio abandoned you, ship. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a loss right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Calvin Ridley is an elite running back. Um, and I do have yeah, high expectations gonna, for Ridley. Special. That guy's a speed demon. But the Falcons... Maybe look, go towards next year. Yeah. Uh, finally, w- what I want to note on is the Baltimore Ravens. They lost their Monday night football match up against the Raiders. And these last couple minutes here, I want to talk about the Ravens and how I personally have already chalked this season for them. Their season is over. Not because they lost to the Raiders. The Raiders are a decent team. Derek Carr had a, quite a good game. You think game their season's the over? That's a, that's I think their season's over. I think it is. Respect it, it though. I think as... If you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, you should just hang up the jersey. You know, you can keep watching Red Zone because everyone loves Red Zone. Yeah. But the injuries are just there's too many. Yeah. They're on their third. They're starting their third string running back. They've signed the ever ancient 
Le'Veon Bell, uh, Latavius Murray, and just recently Devontae Freeman. So they had to resort to signing old, kind of maybe washed up. Oh, yeah, those guys are definitely out of their prime. Their offensive line is getting beaten up. I believe they lost another O-lineman in the first quarter of that game on Monday. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was basically like, Carrying that offense. Exactly. He's making that offense run. And similar to like we were talking about earlier with Wisconsin, if you only have one one way to do offense, only one kind of method, strategy, or in this case, individual player that can kind of will the team forward, that's not going to work, especially in the NFL where teams are really talented. Even the worst teams can learn a system in a week and kind of it's the best of the best. You know, all these players – are really talented and they're able to kind of adapt and overcome and they have these great great coaches that will enable them to do so so the ravens uh, another injury actually i want to mention is marcus peters in the secondary out for the season the torn acl uh, and all of these injuries pretty much pretty much all of these injuries from the ravens have been during practice and so that makes one think oh what are they doing during practice man like why are you beating up all your teammates yeah. But they're non-contact injuries, so that's the worst kind of injury. When yeah, those are always the worst. Where you know something just doesn't feel right, and then all of a sudden you, you can't take play one bad one bad step, and career is just—I mean, your season's over. I mean, I would know that as a diehard Bulls fan. I, I'll, I never—I'll never forget 2011. Yeah. D Rose makes one wrong uh, hop step, and and that's there go, it. There goes our future dynasty. And I, I think like that's the thing with the Ravens is they just. This year, it was their year for the injury bug. Last year, it was the 49ers. And although, we'll see how week two goes, because they did lose Raheem Mostert, their starting running back. Um, They might get the injury bug again this year, but I think Baltimore Ravens are my winner of the injury bug in this time of COVID-19. They're the sick ones this year, unfortunately for them. Yeah, these Ravens aren't going to be flying, that's for sure. Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Alrighty, folks, well, we think...